Welcome to episode 24 of the Console Ninjas podcast. I'm Jay Stokes, here again on my own, just um, do a little in-between show. Another bit of indie loving for you this time around. I've got two indie interviews for you this time. The first of which is with Nicole Hunt, who is um, one of my favourite indie developers, responsible for hard lines on the iOS, and also responsible for the upcoming Fist of Awesome, which you may have heard about. So without further ado, let's queue up the first interview. This is the console in Jersey Indie Game Spotlight. Okay, hello everyone and welcome to another one of our indie interviews. Uh, this is an interview I've wanted to secure for a while. This is one of the developers who is really interested in some of the things he's doing and we're going to talk about those very shortly. So it gives me a great pleasure to welcome along Nicole Hunt. Hello. Hello, hello how are you welcome. doing? Good. It's, it's a pleasure to be here on the internet with you guys. <laughs> well, it's a pleasure to have you along. Um, a little bit of background. I first became aware of you when I played a game on the iPhone called Hardlines. And um, every time I loaded the game up, the splash screen would come up and there'd be a, a small pixely bearded man <laughs> on there with a name Nickel Hunt next to him. So um, I decided to find out who this man was. And um, I went on to the website, which um, is ifightbears.co.uk, and found out all about you. And I suggest other people do the same thing. Lovely. <laughs> So uh, what we usually do, we ask people to just give us a bit of a history about themselves, um, how they started being an indie, indie developer, and um, we'll go from there, if that's okay. Yeah, that sounds brilliant. Um, I've got quite a long and like um, sorted career in computer games, and when I was about 14 years old, I started making games on my Amiga, um, which were universally terrible. One of my, one of my favourite things ever is like I made a game called Fat Alley 2, which was a sequel to Fat Alley 1, obviously. Um, but it was about a, a disgruntled street sweeper who tried to kill everyone in the world. And um, and so I, re- I released the game for free on the Amiga. And some dude in Germany downloaded it um, for Amiga Future magazine and reviewed it. But I never knew any of this until years and years later. And so I found out, like, just a couple of years ago, um, that the game when I was 14 was reviewed in German in this Amiga Future magazine as being the worst game ever made. <laughs> That's some accolade. Like so, like, that, that was my start in computer games. Like, oh, like some, of, some of the quotes in that review are amazing. Like, I think my favourite one is, um, he's talking about, like, the game. It just says, the sheer horror and nausea at the programming skills of Nickel Hunt. And I was like, well, that's, wow, amazing. So that was, that was my entry into computer games, making, like, really, really awful games. Um, so I went to university after that and got a bit better. And then... I was looking enough to get a job at Codemasters when I was 21. And so I worked there for a long time. And I met Jamie Lewis, who was on your show previously. And he was like my mentor, so he taught me everything I know. So if I'm terrible still, it's entirely his fault. Uh, oh, everything's <laughs> Jamie's fault anyway. <laughs> it really is, just in general. And so that was cool. And then I worked um, at Rotom Worlds. I worked on APB, which was a hugely financial disaster of the game. It's been 110 million pounds to make a game that not very many people have played and even less people have even heard of. So that was good. And then I started, I kind of quit games and I worked for film post-production stuff. Got really bored doing that because even though it was good money, it wasn't really 
getting my creative juices going. So I started making like indie games in my spare time. So the first one was Hard Lines, and now I'm working on my new one, which is way, way, way bigger in scope and scale and like way beyond anything I actually thought I would take on myself, but I'm doing it, so I've kind of got to go through with it now. And it's called Fist of Awesome. That's it, that's brought us right up to the present day. First thing I wanted to ask is, um, where's the accent from? Um, it's from Dundee in Scotland. Although, I was, um, as a child, my mum said, you have to speak properly. And so it's beaten <laughs> into me. And so that's why my accent isn't quite as strong as some other people from the Dundee area. Well, obviously you can probably tell from the accent I'm a Ouija, but I think <laughs> our podcast has been quite jock-heavy over the past month or so, hasn't it, Jay? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm a bit outnumbered on this one at the moment. Well, Jace, you recommended Hard Lines to me a couple of months ago, maybe maybe a bit further back than that, and it's pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I played it um, a while ago, and, and straight away it really drew me in. Um, there's so many things about Hard Lines that... I really um, connected with my the way I see the game is um, it's the bikes from Tron crossed with Snake crossed with a stand-up comedian <laughs> crossed with just a pure bag of amazingness. Um, that's that's pretty much everything I can say about it. Um, would you like to give us your take on it, please, Nicole? Well, like um, <clears throat> when I first came up with it, the, the reason I started making it is because I played the iPhone version of Tron Legacy when that came uh, out. Because, like, I used to love playing, like, the kind of sneaky Tron games. There was a game called, I can't remember what it was called, it was called Swizzle or something. It wasn't that, but it was something like that on the Amiga. And I loved that game. There was, like, a multiplayer version of Snake. And, like, um, so that kind of stuck in my mind. And I thought, like, the iPhone version of Tron would be, like, something really cool and, like, kind of new retro but really good. Um, but I played I played it, and it was terrible. And I was uh, horribly disappointed. And so, basically, Hardlines was me trying to make the game which I thought Tron should have been. But we couldn't call it Tron, obviously, because that may make Disney a little bit angry. And so it was, um, yeah, it was, it was me trying to make a better Tron game. I describe it as Snake and Tron mixed with Geometry Wars 2. Yeah, there's certainly all of those different influences in there. I mentioned it before about the stand-up comedy. Uh, one of the things that, that really gets me when I'm playing it is all the little funny quips that are coming out from the line. And um, when you've got lots of little lines on the screen, they're all having their own little say and um, all cracking wise jokes and all stuff. Whose kind of idea was that, and who did all the writing for that? Well, that line was made in um, cooperation with Spillmilk Studios, and so when the the whole it's so mad like the whole idea of the lines talking was never a thing. Like the, the initial design of the game, never a thing. But then I was trying to work out what to do for the tutorial system, and like trying to explain like like all the, the kind of stuff that appears on screens, and you have to swipe up to go up, and all that kind of stuff. I was like, what, what how could we do this to make it actually fun? And so. Um, I think it was Spillmilk Studio said, well, maybe you can make the line talk. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a really good idea. But then I kind of got a little carried away. Instead of like, doing this tutorial, I just started making like the line talk for no apparent reason. And so like, that was like so hilariously funny. Because you just don't expect it during gameplay, like having these little lines, like talking to themselves. And it, it just added this whole new element on top of it. And it wasn't even intentional. It was just something that happened to try to make the tutorial system work. It was... It was one of those random things that just really ha- it just happens for the moment and it paid off so so well. See, for me, this is both the thing that makes me love the game, but also the thing that makes me very bad at the game because <laughs> I can't count the amount of times that I've died trying to read what the lines are saying and not paying attention to where I'm going. Yeah, but, it does add to kind of the level to the gameplay where you've got to just pay attention to the gameplay sometimes and not be distracted. 
Yeah, but they would miss all those funny little comments. Exactly. It's, it's a tightrope you've got to walk on. So, um, moving on from Hardlines then, you've obviously got Fist of Awesome. It's been the making for a while. Mm. Are you getting fairly close to releasing on that now? I really hope so. Like, my, my aim is to complete the game for next month. Because I've been working on it since March last year now, so I think I've probably had enough time working on it. So I'm basically I'm finishing off the story mode now and adding like kind of like more game modes and achievements and stuff. But I'm probably at the end of it. It's just I've just got to pile through these last few weeks and then I'll have the game ready to launch. Well, the thing is, even when I've launched the game, I'm not going to stop. Like, hopefully I'll come out next month. But after that, I'm going to start working on the PC and Mac versions. I'm going to add like local multiplayer support so you can play with like three or four friends at the same time. And yeah, it's, it's going to be something I'm going to be working on for the rest of the year. But hopefully the first version will be out next month. So it's been a long old road um, developing the game. I've, I've read on the website um, that you wanted to make something in the spirit of Streets of Rage and stuff like that. Do you mm-hmm. think you've got to the level of those goals that you set initially for yourself? Well, it's, it's hard to say, because like, those are the kind of games that have such high esteem, and like, there's so much nostalgia attached to them. But um, I've, I've, I've basically, I've, t- I've been playing Streets of Rage recently to make sure that, like, because I'm quite near now at the end now, but I think it's better than Streets of Rage. In, in, Amazing. In, <laughs> That's something to say, isn't it? possible way, I think it's better than Streets of Rage. Because... Like, especially on mobile devices, because on Street, Street Rage on mobile devices, it's quite bad because it's all the virtual controls and stuff, and you've got to lift your fingers yeah, sure. and know what you're doing. All of that stuff, not a problem with Fists of Awesome, because I've got cool gestural controls. But also, I think it just feels better and more modern, and I don't know. I think it's better than Street of Rage now. <laughs> I'll leave up to like everyone else to say how horribly wrong I am, but I'm sticking with it for now. <laughs> Well, if you can't have confidence in your game, who else can? Exactly. I was just going to say, never trust a chef that doesn't trust his own cooking. Do you know what I mean? That's it. <laughs> just never trust uh, a chef, ever. Just a life rule. So, so we've, we've mentioned the game briefly, and we, we've compared it to Street Wage. I didn't actually say anything about what the game actually is. Would you like to give us a brief rundown of Fist of Awesome and what we can expect in the coming weeks? Of course. Um, I like to describe it as um, a time-travelling lumberjack a mob, which I think is unique hopefully it is. And so you play a character called Tim Burr, who at the very start of the game is having a lovely time. His family are over to have a big party. He's very excited. And then out of nowhere, the entire world changes around him. And suddenly, the entire world, which before was lovely and nice and full of docile creatures, is um, filled with these horrible homicidal bears and like woodland creatures who have just gone mental. And um, he's he's just thrown into this whole world, not knowing what's happening. And then, and just to top things off, his hand starts speaking to him. It becomes self-aware. Um, Obviously, it's, it's, <laughs> it's possibly the most ridiculous concept for a game like I've ever heard of. And so you now got this time-traveling lumberjack with his talking hand. He isn't time-traveling to begin with. His talking hand helps him acquire that skill. And so you have to travel through time and space, punching mainly bears in the face. Um, but you also travel into like the distant past. You have to like fight velociraptors. And it's quite ridiculous, um, but at the same time quite brilliant. And I've tried, I've tried to make it like more humorous than like most beat 'em ups because most beat 'em ups are basically like, oh, the woman's being stolen, and you have to go rescue the woman. And I think that's <laughs> as well as being quite sexist. Um, it's just not very original. So I've tried to like have a unique storyline to keep people invested as they're playing along through the game. 
<laughs> it all sounds fantastic, and from the videos on the website that I've watched, um, I really can't wait to get my hands on it, and I know Will feels the same way. You were saying that um, you're trying to work on local multiplayer. What, mm. what's, the, what's that going to entail? Well, it'll be, like, it'll be basically for the PC, Mac, and UU versions, because the new year version coming as well. Um, and so that'll be it'll be pretty much the same game except you get to play some members you can choose between members of Tim's family so you can play as his sister or his dad or his little kid brother which is a little homage to like the Streets of Rage 2 with the, the little kid on the roller skates um, I think you should always have a little child as a playable character beat him up just adds another element to it um, and so that'll be the main thing and I'm calling it the Grizzly Edition because it's not just Fist of Awesome, it's more, so it's Grizzly Edition. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's it's crazy stuff. I, I love the craziness of it. Moving away from the games briefly, and we'll, we'll come back to those um, before we, we shoot off a bit more plug-in, but um, talking about the whole indie scene at the moment, um, certainly in the UK mm. and, and around the world, of course, it seems to be becoming much more of a community the indie scene recently there's a lot more events like your game city events and lots of game jams and stuff going on um how do you see the independent games industry at the moment i see it as a hugely supportive network of people now um because like well, i'm quite i'm still really new to this whole indie games thing but um, i've already made like some like some lovely like friends and stuff through it I've been to a few of the a few of these different things now. there's something goes on in london called london indies and i've become a regular at that and then basically, it's just an excuse every month for like a load of indie developers to meet up in the pub, have some drinks, and talk about making games. And it's brilliant because you meet some amazing people. Like my favorite thing I've done so far is I went there and um, I met Terry Kavanagh, who made Super Hexagon. And it's like, yeah, yeah. like for me, that's that's a little bit like meeting like I don't know Steven Spielberg or something. It's someone who's like a classic, <laughs> total master of his art. And um, and so I made him play my game, and he said it wasn't terrible. So like, like that's it. Like I think that's really the good. game anymore. Like it's not. Yeah, we we really want to uh, get Terry on here to talk about his um, super hex skin and stuff as well. So he's he's on the hit list. Right. He's a, he's a, he's a really good guy, and I, I like the way he he's very. When it comes to, like when people like ask him like like how do you define indie, he just goes I don't care. He's like all he cares about is making games, and like that's yeah. I really respect that. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's really good the whole indie thing is happening. Like loads of people I know now who used to be like in the games industry, they're like they're, they're indie developers trying to do their own thing. Uh, just because of the kind of tools and like different platforms like iPhone and stuff like that now, you don't need to have a big company behind you. You can literally do everything by yourself in your bedroom, which is basically what I'm doing. And I, I think that's a great thing. It's it's like back like it reminds me of like when I was a kid. And all the, like, my favourite games, like for the Spectrum and Condor 64, were made by like one dude or a couple of dudes. And that was it. And it, like, it made the games were like injected with like their personality. It wasn't like this big communal effort. And it wasn't like everything was like sanitised, like, because I had to go through this big committee. It was just like people's ideas directly injected into the games. And I love that. And that's what I'm trying to do with my games. And that's what I see happening in other indie games. And I think it's brilliant. I absolutely love it. We're totally on the same page as you when it comes to that. I mean, one of the best things about the indie games is you see a lot of originality because you have the chance to take leaps and, mm. and, and little risks and stuff like that. And I, I totally know what you're talking about. It's, it's what we love about it anyway, isn't it, Jess? 
Yeah, definitely, mate. Um, of all the indie games that are out at the moment, obviously there's a massive wide breadth and people are trying all sorts of different things. Mm-hmm. What are the games that you really enjoy playing yourself? I know um, I've got you on my game centre and you play a fair few games yourself on there. Um, what are your favourite go-to games at the moment? Um, well, like most of the games I play now are always on the iPhone because like, I live in London I spend a lot of time travelling on the tube, so the iPhone's point, I can play all my games on that. So recently, well, I was utterly obsessed with Super Hexagon, like just utterly obsessed with it. Um, and I managed to complete all six levels of that, which was like, it killed oh, me. Oh, no Absolutely way. killed me. But I got so determined. I was absolutely determined, so I did it. And I met, when I met Terry Khan, I was like, I better need to finish your game. I finished your game. And um, he said, that's that's really impressive. And I was like, oh, he loves me. I love him. <laughs> that's some feat. I'm sure there's robots that can't do that. It's ridiculous. But, so Super Hexagon, definitely. Um, I was pretty with um, Ridiculous Fishing recently. That's a really good game. It's just like, so beautifully um, balanced and amazing game. Love that. One game I always like to mention, just because it's... If you look at screenshots of it, you would think it's the worst game ever made because it looks so utterly terrible. It's a game called Justin Smith's Realistic Summer Sports Simulator. And it's by the same guy who did Enviro Bear. I don't know if you ever played that. That was where you played. You played a bear dri- driving a car to collect fish by driving into trees. It was bizarre. Um, but, <laughs> so he made an iPhone game called Justin, Sport, Justin Smith's Realistic Summer Sports Simulator, and it's um, the best thing about it is it's so not realistic. It's the exact opposite of realistic. It looks like an like an Atari Twenty Six Hundred game. And it's all physics-based, like for the, the 100 meters, you just click on your dude and drag him. But like it works like physics, so you just have to like somersaulting through the air and stuff. You have to just keep swiping the screen randomly, making him like kind of fall and bounce and tumble until you reach like the 100, ma- 100 um, meter mark. And all the levels are like that. And it's like the, the, the equine one, you've got like a dude standing on top of a horse. And you've just got to like drag the horse and the horse is falling over and then the horse is just falling over. And you're meant to jump over things. But you can't really jump over them because you're already like flying through the air and just crashing around terribly. It's it's so addictive though. It it's, it looks terrible, but it's so addictive, and you're always trying to beat your high scores and stuff. Yeah. I'm looking so, at screenshots of this right now, and I have to say it looks absolutely mental. <laughs> it's, it's brilliant. Highly, highly recommend it. It's got on the list. <laughs> I'm gonna quickly open up my phone just so I can see if there's any other ones that I recommend. There's, there's so many though, like. I love iPhones. It's bad from one point of view because like, it's so cheap to buy the games. You know the guys making them are getting no money from it. But it's great because you can just play so many different games all at the same time. Um, what have I got here? Oh, Joe Danger. That was brilliant. Oh, brilliant. That's a, yeah, it's a, good game. It's a lovely polished game. Like Way more professional than like most indie games, but beautiful. Well done. Mick Pixel, I love that. Everyone seems to think my, my art style is ripping off McPixel. It was totally coincidental. I was already doing bad pixel art before McPixel came along. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a, there's a game which I don't think many people have heard of, but it's actually brilliant. It's called Micro Miners. All right. No, I've not seen that. It's, um, it's, yeah, it's called Micro Miners, and it's like, I don't know, it's like, it's like a weird little, oh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like Dig Dug or something, but like it's just designed for touchscreens. You've got to... You just drag your finger to create little mine shafts, and then your dudes fall down this little mine shaft, and you've got to avoid explosives. You've got to like mine for diamonds. I'm not explaining it very well at all, but it's lovely, and it's like I think that's one of these undiscovered gems that no one really seems to know about. But it's so beautifully created and designed and everything. So yeah, game called Micro Miners. We'll write that down. We're recording it. 
Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's great. Um, I, I do often look on your game center and see what you've been playing because I know that you seem to like the same sort of games as I do from the, from the things you've been talking about there. And um, I've, I've, I always try to chase you on the leaderboards and often fail, to be honest with you. <laughs> Aren't you, aren't you one of the guys that managed to complete Magnetic Billiards? Uh, I was the second person to S-rank Magnetic Billiards, Jeff. That's obscene. Like, I'm, I'm nowhere close to that. I thought, I'll try and I'll give that a go. And I was like, no, nah, it's impossible. No one can do that. Yeah, I've got the uh, number one score on the iPhone. Um, so if you want to go for that target, <laughs> that's um, a little bit of work for you. Wow. Well done, sir. Well done. Thank you. It's been a while um, since you mentioned that, Jess. It has about, it's been about seven minutes since I last mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> so that was another that was another great indie game though. Um, mm. The Pickford Brothers obviously been in the game a long, long time, and uh, they they brought their game to iOS, and it was just fantastic. And mm. it just it didn't get taken on by as many people. I don't think as many people managed to get that um, in the way I did. You know, um, it's, it was certainly one of those games that either people loved it straight away or. Um, were a bit averse to it, and I find that across a lot of indie games. To be honest with you, they can be very um, divisive. Yeah, well, I'd like to be honest, I find that as well with like my own game. <laughs> I've listened to the internet. Basically, my game is either the best game, like Fist of Awesome, talking about just now. It's either going to be the best game ever made, or it's everything that's wrong with indie games, and I'm an idiot. It's um, <laughs> it's so weird. Like, there's, there's it's a fine line. People either think it looks amazing and like just want to get their hands on it and play it, and other people just go, "This looks terrible. This is everything that's wrong with indie games." And I'm like, I just, "What?" Well, at least people well, pay attention to the sorry. terrible ones and the good ones. No one really bothers about the middle ones, do they? We're certainly in the camp of um, thinking it's looking like the best thing ever, and we really can't wait to get our hands on it. Um, okay, um, Nicole, is there anything else you want to throw into the mix, or anything you think we? haven't covered that we can always go back to and squeeze in or no but um if any of your listeners happen to be in london this month on the 25th i think it's the wednesday i'm going to be in loading soho which is a brand new games themed bar in the middle of london um oh, fantastic yeah i've seen about this yeah. i'd love to go so I'm, going to be, I'm doing like a residency for the day so i'm just going to show up like first thing in the afternoon and just hang out all day and i'll have like the game on like ipad and ouya and everything and so people can come along and say hi and ask me questions and play the game. And hopefully it'll be a lot of fun. I'm going to have t-shirts as well. And I'll think of some kind of weird competition prize thing so you can win a t-shirt. Oh, that sounds brilliant. But then I think um, we're going to let you go for now. I'd like to maybe get you on um, again in the future when the game's out and people are reacting to it properly, you know, and um, see how well it's yeah, doing. I'm, I'm sure you'll be rich and famous from that very quickly, so we, you won't want to come and talk to us again, but um, we'll try. I, I will always talk to you guys. I remember the little guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much. Um, before we go, then, just to say, um, everyone, go and log on to ifightbears.co.uk, check out the videos, see how fantastic Fist of Awesome is going to be. Um, look out for the game coming to devices near you soon. It's going to come out on everything eventually, um, as Nick has already said. We've got you on the Twitter, so we'll be um, pushing your Twitter name out there so people can follow you and see what you're up to um, leading up to the re- release of the game. And um, yeah, keep in touch and good luck with everything. Well, thank you very much for having me on your show. Thanks very much. Not a problem, man. Our pleasure. Cool. Thanks a guys. Okay, that's that interview out of the way. Great interview. Fantastic guy to talk to. Um, really enjoyed doing that one. Everyone go and log on to ifightbears.co.uk and see some stuff about Fist of Awesome that's coming out very shortly. Looks like a really great game and uh, really can't wait for that one to come out. And the second interview this time round is with Stephen Morris from Greenfly Studios. Yeah, this interview was arranged um, on a bit of a whim, really. I just put the word out to Twitter and asked if anybody wanted to come on and plug any games and stuff. And it turned out we had a really good chat, so um, let's cue that one up. (laughs) 
This is the console ninjas in the game spotlight. Okay, welcome back everyone to the second of our indie interviews for this episode. And it gives me great pleasure to have on the other end of the line this time, Mr. Stephen Morris from Greenfly Studios. Hello. Hello, hello, James. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thanks, mate. Um, thanks for coming on. We're getting lots of indie interviews going at the moment and really enjoying it. Um, so, without further ado, we'll crack on with our normal rafter questions. Um, can you tell us about who you are and about your history of uh, indie developing? Yes, yeah, sure. Um... Yeah, so I'm Stefan Morris. I'm a technical found, I'm technical director of Greenfly Studios. It's a indie company that I founded with my fiance Katie. So she takes all the creative side. Uh, we started about a couple of years ago now, so nearly two years. We had a bit of a uh, of a different entrance into the indie industry. We actually graduated from university about ten years ago. And we went into educational games. So we actually did a lot of stuff with interactive whiteboards and stuff like that. So that was that was a great way of being introduced into gaming. Uh, we had to learn about how to get things very easy for young people to understand. And of course, you know, when you've got that kind of pressure, you, you understand how to get uh, people to understand your games very, very quickly. We did that one for a few years and then eventually we decided, right, well, we need to start doing stuff for ourselves as well. You know, we're really enamored with the iPhones and the iPads, the mobiles as well. So we got involved with that one. Then we started continuing on with, like, uh, you know, we started expanding it out further. So we're looking into, like, PlayStation stuff, uh, PC stuff and Mac stuff as well. Well, it sounds like it's really taken off. Um, looking at your Twitter bio, it says you're pretty much the man of all trades. Um, you're a university lecturer. You design indie and physical games apparently yes. and there's all these things on there so um you sound like a busy busy guy yes really busy i mean um, obviously we had to kind of reschedule it at one point because i had all my university students just uh, handing all the assignments i have to go through all that as well so i teach game design i mean it's very much just the case of i uh, you know when they say about living and breathing games it very much is the case with me so i wake up in the morning and work on games and then also go off to university and teach about games. I come back home and of course me and my fiance, we work on the games together, so we're talking about games then. And you know, I think my sleep's the only time I get up a, up a distance from it, so <laughs> No doubt you'd be thinking about games. Yes, absolutely. Sleep. Everything is games all the time and yes. a lot of us dream about that instead of having a proper job. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no offence meant by that of course. So Thinking of the developing for children's games and stuff, I suppose that gives you a really good insight into different types of um, user interfaces. Um, how has that influenced what you're working on in terms of the iPad stuff? Yeah, um, again, everything that we used to do always had to be able to catch people's eyes very quickly and um, make it very simple for people to understand. It really was the case that if a five-year-old can understand it, then you're great. We just basically adapted that kind of system to something where, you know, with the iPhone or the iPad, where you've only got a few seconds, really, to capture people's attention. So you have to use those kind of, uh, not tricks, but um, just basically all those kind of tips and advice that we picked up along the way. Fantastic. And you said you've moved into the PlayStation arena and stuff like that. What sort of things are you developing on the PlayStation side? Yeah, I mean, um, we actually got, uh, well, I actually am a very big fan of Douglas Wilson's Johann Sebastian Joust. I was introduced to that uh, in November time. And then during, on January, it was the Global Game Jam. So I brought them down basically to actually have a bit of a reprieve, basically, a bit of a, a, bit of a rest from, from jamming. And of course, I actually decided, oh, let's explore this. 
And this is where things such as Quickdraw came about and Glowtag as well. So, you know, I wanted to explore all these different kind of physical games. Uh, there's a guy called Shahid Kamal, I think his name is. Um, mm-hmm. He's been very active getting indies on board with Sony and stuff. So he happened to notice it as well and just recommended that we give them a chat. So hopefully that continues to go through. Great stuff. Well, best of luck with all That's that. Fantastic. Thank you. So what are you working on at the moment that we might be interested in playing shortly? Okay, um, there's actually several. I mean, it's funny that you mentioned before that I'm doing everything. Uh, we do a lot of stuff at the same time. It's true. Um, so I mentioned already Quickdraw and Glowtag. Um, those are physical games, so those are more things that can actually get festivals. If you're heading over to Amaze over in Berlin, you can have a play of that one next, next week. Um, also next week there is uh, Nottingham, which is the Game City Nights. Oh, yeah. Yep, so that one's going to be on Thursday, so I'll be there showing it off there as well. And they're basically at pretty much most of the events that are going on. So if you're going down to Develop or maybe at Res as well. Oh, yeah, we'll be down at Res. Oh, fantastic. So uh, if I'm not in there at the left field collection, then I most certainly will be there afterwards or doing kind of sessions as well out in the streets and anywhere, basically. Um, so you're more than welcome to come down to, to, to play that. You'll, yeah, great you'll be able to see it. There'll be loads of people running after each other with lights, so <laughs> cannot miss it. But again, so yeah, uh, develop going down to Brighton, so we'll be on the beach playing it as well. Eurogamer, etc. So any festivals that are coming up, then most likely I'll be there showing that. Oh, I'll probably bump, bump into a few times this year then. Yes, absolutely. Um, and what else? And of course, we're actually working on a game for the iOS called Drop That Candy. Uh, which follows a little monster who's actually in search of sweets, candy. So that's a really great title that we're actually working on at the moment. So it's got a lot of it's got a physics it's a physics puzzler, and we've got pretty much a a star team at the moment. Um, so we've got us, we've got Heather Shepherd as well. She's done the artwork. She's she's works for um, she's done work for Sega, um, stuff like that. We've had a guy called Nick Hilditch. Yeah, he, he takes care of the animations, and he works for uh, Ardman Digital, so stuff like Wallace and Gromit and Sean the Sheep as well. And we have this guy, um, Agio Hutchings. He's actually a musician, so he's actually done titles. He's done work for Disney and stuff like that. So we, we've put the best people together to make this a really nice, special experience, and getting it around to different events, a lot of people have been really enjoying it as well really great feedback so well, that's a wicked team you're putting together yeah. that's, that's fantastic um talk about all these events and stuff that there, there seems to be more and more events cropping up um for indie developers and <laughs> to share ideas and everyone seems to be uh, developing into a big community and i've certainly talked about that with other indie developers yeah. how do you see the community growing and um becoming stronger in itself yeah i mean it's brilliant it's absolutely brilliant i can't believe how except Game designers are the best people. Uh, game, well, anybody in the games industry are the best people. They're all really nice, really friendly, and they're just so inviting as well. I mean, I know we're talking about indies specifically, but again, everybody's just so happy to see each other and talk. And of course, the support's there as well. You know, um, but yes, there is a lot more events popping up, isn't there? Um, you've got the bit of all right coming up down south as well on on a boat. <laughs> that's yeah, different. that's uh, really great. So. Yeah, Bitable Rights on the boat, and um, I think Wild Rumpus as well. That's a big um, party as well, but lots of indie games that goes on. 
But uh, I'm surprised any of you get time to make any games. Yeah. To be honest, you all seem to be doing these events all the time. And yes, absolutely. Um, I think that's what most people think. Uh, indies just go out and party all the time. Well, it's not a bad life if you can yes. do that. Just need to make the money back on your games to uh, <laughs> yeah. fund the lifestyle. What else are you getting up to that's a bit different? Um, something that nobody else is doing. You can tell us about. Okay. Well, again, this is all the things about with physical mood control, uh, physical games. Effectively, that's that seems to be an area that not a lot of people seem to be investigating, and I think it's fantastic. Uh, I think this year there's been a nice rise in the amount of local multiplayer games. So um, games like Super Space. Slamjet Stadium. Slamjet Stadium, yeah, that's from Alistair Atkinson. He's... Yeah, we've we've uh, we've interviewed Alistair. Oh, brilliant! Well. He's a, he's a really nice guy, really nice yeah. guy. Yeah, so you know, Super Space Towerfall as well, Samurai Gun. You know, those are obviously digital ones, but again, everybody's all local. Everybody's um, playing with each other. Well, everybody's you know playing alongside each other, having a laugh. And of course, you've got games like Johan's Bust and Joust and Glow Tag, where it's a lot more physical. People are looking at each other, and uh, you know, there's no screen anymore. I remember um, one that uh, George Buckland was talking about, Punch the Custard, that yeah, they made that, one of the channels. That, that sounded fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I think it's great. I think because being indie, you can actually have this, not excuse, but you have this um, potential to go off and explore all these wacky and different ideas as well. And I think it's brilliant. I think that's something that's really great about the indie space. It's really unique and you can get to explore these areas. The different ideas has always been the strength of indie yeah. things where the innovation comes from and those innovations are often picked up in the mainstream games a bit later down the line but you certainly see them first um, from all the indie developers yeah. so thinking briefly about the teaching people to make games yeah. how does that all work how does a typical sort of lesson go or a typical um, series of lessons go to get people into the mindset of an indie developer or a game developer sorry. okay no worries well what it was is that obviously I teach my university students um, and so I'll use an example of the first years so when they actually came in most of them were actually under the impression that right we're going to show them digital games and this is how you're going to make it straight away and of course part of game design is you really need to look at where games have been before so we actually take it all the way back so we go looking at board game design we look at paper design as well and so they spend the first semester pretty much just working with board games um because again that's that's pretty much how we got started you know games that are like you know people chasing after each other and such and it goes back to a more primal way of how we used to behave um and also identifying who's got your back you know so you see these stressful environments but yeah so yeah. we go back we go right back to the very core and the basics of what actual game design is and how to design games. We will start to build on that as the year goes on. So in the second year, oh, second year, in the second semester, that's when we start introducing a bit more digital stuff as well. So we introduce things like UDK, and so they can actually explore like level design and such. So that's for like first year. Um, in the second year, that's when we unloose on UDK and Unity and things like that. But again, guiding them along different kind of techniques and tips as well. Um, and of course, the great thing about where I am, which is over at FutureWorks, is that all the all the lecturers are industry, uh, so we actually are still working in the industry. So you, you they get they're getting all this advice from people who are actually in it at that exact moment. So everything's current, everything is up to date, 
and especially of course with indie with it being an indie developer like myself or uh benjamin hill from white pepper games and who else is there yeah and um pete bossomley as well you know it's there's all these things that we're learning, at, well not learning, all the things that we're putting into use right there and then, and being an indie developer, we've got these new ways of doing things as well, which are pushing pushing the field forward. So my area tends to be with physical or with digital iOS, you know, handheld games. Ben and Pete would be more with UDK stuff and uh, theme and nar- narrative and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, you know, it's just, I think it's a great combination of having both industry and academic combined together and teaching them. And do you find these students are really receptive to what you're doing and do they, do they always bring um, their own fresh ideas as, as the new generations yes, come through? Yes, they do. Um, again, this is what the crazy thing was, is that when they were born is when the spy skills were formed. And that, wow. so that surprised <laughs> me. And of course, PlayStation... It makes me feel old. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, that's when the PlayStation came out as well. So that is their very first intro into games. And for the youngest generation, like our kids nowadays, they're born with touchscreens. So that's their introduction. That's why they're so, you know, that's what their particular favorites are Angry Birds compared to how ours were most like, like Sonic or yeah. Mario or even earlier than that. I mean, Chucky Egg, Chucky Egg, Egg Pong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Space Invaders. So, but it was cool to see though because. They didn't. They haven't gotten to see a lot of the old arcade stuff. And when you bring them out, they have these new ideas that come out. They can see where everything's progressed since then. But it can kind of reignite. Well, they've got a lot of ideas anyways. But they can kind of the new ways of presenting old ideas, and which you know, which we try and encourage. And they are always trying to challenge what your perceptions are which is great about being a lecturer that you give them the ideas and we actively encourage them to actually try and challenge them and we can try and show them the best way forward i suppose it must be really interesting to to constantly be teaching people and having them um, feedback ideas like it sounds fantastic and mm-hmm. uh, you obviously sound like you enjoy doing your job yeah uh, yeah i mean it's not a job in my idea it's uh <laughs> it's it's i don't know what's what's that saying it's not a job, it's a, it's life or something, or it's not work. Yeah, I, I can't remember, <laughs> you scratch that one out. But um, no, I, I, I really, really enjoy it. It's a nice opposite to, you know, obviously being in front of the computer, programming and stuff, and then moving on towards actually talking with the students and seeing them up front, being that social. And then it just it's a nice cycle that occurs. Yeah, I'm quite envious of you being in, being in that sort of business that's... Um been in games all the time I could only dream yeah. of such things <laughs> it's uh it's taken a bit of a while getting there but um but no it's, it's good it's, it is very good fun and I'm very very fortunate to be able to in positions to just enjoy doing games since I've been a little kid so well we can't say can't say fair in that <laughs> can we so before we go um I just want to know what sort of games are you playing at the moment is there anything that's really taking your fancy anything that's um inspiring you to get your phone out and play games when you got chance yes, to Yes absolutely um, I actually got two at the moment one's just come out recently which is uh Cut the Rope Time Traveler um that one's just Ooh, I've not seen that Yeah one. that's just come out really recently and I'm always a big fan of Cut the Rope so I want to check that one out but another one that's gotten me recently is uh Puck by Laser Dog Games because I met them recently through the Manchester Indie Meetup and, you know, we were giving advice and feedback and stuff. But he's got, they've only just finally released it re- really recently. And 
it's a bit of it's infuriating because I can see scores like Simon's and yours. Uh, <laughs> it's great. It's, I like how it's minimalistic and re- and, and retro. But it's got a lot of interesting ideas, obviously, with like the slingshotting and trying to get things around. Well, that's it. I reviewed it when it came out. In fact, I reviewed it just before it came out. Um, Simon Renshaw was kind enough to send me a review yeah. code, and I um, I reviewed it on the podcast. And for, for me, it couldn't really be any more suited. Orange is my favourite yeah. colour, for a start, and the game is nearly entirely yeah. orange. Um, I'm a fan of puzzle games. I'm a fan of physics games. So, really, it, it couldn't go wrong for yes, me. Yes, um... But it's infuriating. I, I, <laughs> I, it is infuriating. It really isn't. Sometimes when when you know it's your mistake, it's not even the level that's beating you. It's you yeah. that's beating yourself. Sometimes it it can. Really, it's the closest I've been to wanting to throw my phone. It is. Sometimes. I was gonna say that when it is one of those games in which it is very much right. One more time. Let me do it one more time, and then you just curse yourself because it is your fault. It is your fault that you actually messed <laughs> up and. That's what drives me round the bend is. <laughs> My worst experience with Puck so far was when I was in a bad signal area, but I scored 94, which was quite yes. high. Um, it's not my highest score at the moment, but I couldn't upload my 94. And for ages, I couldn't beat that score to get it to show on the leaderboards. I was I was infuriated for a yeah. while. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Right, well, I'm, I'm going to stop taking up all of your time. Um, you're a busy, busy man, as we've heard, and uh, I don't want to keep you away from probably something to do with games so uh just remains to say um everyone keep your eye out we've got drop the candy hitting shortly hopefully um we'll, we'll keep our eye on that one and look forward to it popping out on the ios but yeah thank you very much Stephen morris to uh for coming on and telling us about his life of games uh, it's been great to have you on i think it's been a really good interview yes, well, thank you very much for having me on uh for having me on it was uh it was really nice to chat about everything so thank you very much that's great stuff, and uh, hopefully we'll get you back on when Drop the Candy's either coming out or has just been out, so we can um, see how it's re- received by the oh, masses. Oh, brilliant. No, it's brilliant then, Jace. Um, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, mate. Um, Take bye. care. Bye. There we go. That's me chatting with uh, Stephen Morris from Greenfly Studios. More interesting stuff. Great to hear about the, um, the teaching people to make games and stuff like that. It's, um, just different aspects of it I'm trying to cover with these interviews, you know, and get different people's opinions on different parts of the industry. Um, hopefully you've really enjoyed that one. Check out the website at greenflystudios.com. See the stuff they've been up to and um, stuff they've got coming out in the future. Drop that candy hitting soon. And that's pretty much all I've got for you, to be honest with you. Um, just a short show this time, a couple of interviews and nothing else. So I'll be back with my fellow ninjas very shortly, hoping to bring another member of the team on board for the next episode. So um, look forward to that one. And that's it. So, uh, as always, catch us on the Twitter at console underscore ninjas. On the emails, console ninjas podcast at gmail.com. Always any feedback, anything you want to talk about, any anybody you want to suggest for us to interview or try and interview, just anything really, anything you fancy chatting about, you know where to find us. Right, I'm out of here. Um, take it easy until next time. See you later.